All right, hoops lovers, welcome to episode 49 of Mad About Hoops. I am Timmy Hall, evil bald Colin, back in studio, better than ever, bald as ever. What's going on, man? Uh, there's a lot going on, man. If we're just talking about the sport of basketball, there's a lot going on. But what we're talking about today is a little bit different. I think we're going to get a little bit feisty in here. I don't want to get feisty, but from the pre-show meetings, that sounds like this is the direction it's going to go. So I'm going to have to hold down the fort for all the lovers of this classic film out there. So what we are doing, this is a special edition, Mad About Hoops, a legal screening edition, Hoosiers style. That's right. And we're going to welcome in some guests from the famed Nerd Association podcast right here in our family of pods at 97.1 The Fan right here in Columbus. I've got my man, Daniel Barnett. Daniel, it's good to see you. Thanks, Tim, for having me on. I really appreciate you being here. That's a great beard, by the way. I wish this were TV Thank so you. we could I all enjoy it. Myself. it. Appreciate you, it. You, you didn't steal that from somebody? No. Imagine if I just took it off like a you know costume it's beard. That would be the shock of the century. And one of my guys, Chops, Mark Finch. What's going on, buddy? Not much. When you said famed nerd association, it made me think, can you say the word infamed? You know, famous, infamous, but I don't know if infamed is a word. I mean, it is now. Well, all words are made up, right? Well, so. <laughs> true. I, I, you know, I would, I would ask the question for, for uh, both of our podcasts. Uh, I would say yours is better at this stage. Colin, would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I have no qualms about that. All yeah. right, guys, let's not. That's what I would say. And, but I don't. But I don't know. If I either. wouldn't disagree. I think that's a great point. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I bet you do. But I also, I also would say I don't know if either of us could say that we're either famous or infamous. I think there's more work that needs to be done. Well, that's what we're doing today. Is we're we're lifting yeah. each other up. We're using our our respective platforms to elevate the, the, the elevate the art form of podcasts. I've got work left to do. <laughs> and that has nothing to do with Hoosiers. But I want to start this off by saying uh, one thing to you guys. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again. And most important, don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Okay? Talk Hoosiers. This is episode 49 of Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it. He hit it. He hit it just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. Oh. Oh. Did it, Jerome? <laughs> College basketball. This is March Madness. All right, everybody. We are talking about the 1986 basketball classic Hoosiers. Everybody is watching movies here in the summertime. 
We've got our friends from the Nerd Association podcast with us, a special guest, Daniel Barnett and Mark Finch, as we like to call them, Chops. And so we're going to watch some movies as well. There's some other hoops classics that we can do along the way, but what better place to start than this one? And I can already tell with the crowd that I'm with, this this will be a a good open season discussion on this movie because not everyone on this podcast is a lover of the film like I am. And that will help with the discussion as to what is it, what keeps Hoosiers living on strongly the way that it is. Is it just basketball fans have seen it so many times that they avoid certain things about this picture? So this will be fun to get into it. But I, I want to start just with, with our own guy, Evil Bald Column. We, one of the things about you, and I've heard it on the local show as you produce Rothman and Ice. And now since our good friend Matt Hayes has jumped on that show, there's someone else that's kind of in your boat that hasn't really been to the movies as much as maybe the next guy. Well, no one's been to the movies as much as Anthony Rothman, who is the, the 12 to 3 host. But they always kid you about things you haven't seen. And I was blown away that you had never even seen Hoosiers. You had never even seen this movie. Yeah, when it comes to movies, I really am in the... I love to get scared. I love to watch horror movies. I love to watch maybe some action ones. I'll see a lot of what's going on right now, but in terms of what has aired in the past... I kind of don't get caught up with it a whole lot. So that's kind of an error on my part because any sports movie I really watched growing up, it was because I was kind of shown it with my family all around. So I want to like hold off as to what your your final take on and like maybe the the, uh, the big criticism or the final rating. We'll give it some basketball ratings at the end. Chops, what about you, man? Like what was your, did you have any childhood memories of this film? Was it in the hopper? Was it up there for you in sports movie rankings? Hoosiers is definitely a movie I saw when I was younger, but it was more because, like people said, you, oh, you got to watch Hoosiers. So I've, I I had seen it before, but I really think that that one run-through had been the first time I'd ever seen it before I rewatched it for the pod today. Um, and no, it's not on my list. You, you know, you put in the notes like, oh, is it in your top 10? Is like a lot of people. I think when you go into a genre of a movie, once you get into top 10, Probably if you're getting near 10, you aren't that fond of the movie. I would say top five huh, is yeah. like where you like really have to make that that cutoff. And for me, Hoosiers is not top five. I don't dislike it. It just doesn't like do it for me. Yeah. So uh, I uh, like the other. I guess I, I thought I was going to be in the minority on this. Um, I there's a lot of 80s movies that I have heard so much about but haven't seen. And Hoosiers was one of them. And it's as right. has been mentioned, it's like one of those like, oh, yeah, you got to see Hoosiers, man. You got to watch Hoosiers. And I, you know, so I, I, I came to this with an open mind and an open heart, but I had that little bit of lingering like legend about it right in the back of my head. Um, and I watched it twice because I was like, oh, first time around, you, you never really get the full spectrum of a movie or most movies the first time you see it. Right. You got to watch it a couple of times. Yeah, I would um, agree yeah, with that. I mean, like everybody except for you, Tim, this was my uh, first couple of watch-throughs. Well, is it also, I wonder if someone wasn't really that into the film, it's 2021 now. We're talking about the 35th anniversary right. coming up this year. And this one was released in November. It came out November 14th. That's a, I mean, I guess Thanksgiving is mm -hmm. a, in the holidays, you're either like a summertime blockbuster, right? Or I guess that's the you guys more into the the cinema industry than I am. Yeah. Would that be the second best time to release a movie if you're not a summer blockbuster like around the Fourth of July? Would you be looking at 
Thanksgiving or Christmas. Yeah, because I think a lot of it at that point, and it wouldn't have been for this movie in 86, but now that's marketing tie-in, right? You will yeah, sell the yeah. Christmas toys. So a lot of the time, your big um, movies that... <laughs> that are, Normandale doll, yeah, I'm I mean, sure you're was not, Yeah, exactly. You're not, you're not selling um, you know, figurines or maquettes of Gene Hackman. You pulled the cord and said, in my book, you're winners. <laughs> no, you pull the cord and he punches a kid. Like, <laughs> that's what, that's what the, the Normandale doll... I mean, I can see doll. my fist. And then you don't get to play with it for 10 and, and, and then afterwards, right, yeah, and then afterwards the doll out. would say, and Show the thing cause. is, I really love that kid. Like, <laughs> you know how with those pull cord dolls, if you do it really slowly it's and another weird thing is <laughs> right, right, right. I really love yeah sorry that's it it builds up to it <laughs> but to your point it um yeah i mean I, I can't see this movie having that sort of a marketing tie-in for the holidays but uh, you know fall people are starting to think about football is usually the thing but uh, we're not that far off of basketball season at that point right that's right in the heart of well, it. Yeah, yeah I mean, right, when, right, the, Colin? when the movie yeah. came out in November, yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about all the holiday tournaments and everything. Yeah, that's exactly. Like the peak I mean, of season. I'm, I'm thinking about, yeah, I'm thinking about like especially high school basketball tournaments. Like that's, you know, that's relevant at that point of the year. And you know, 1986, we'd have to we'd have to put on our basketball historian hats and get really good with that. Who would have been the title? I mean, 1987 would have been one of the famous Indiana teams. That was right. that was the Keith Smart shot, mm-hmm. right? That's against very, Syracuse. That's very ironic that it followed it up. Yeah. That wow. Okay. Yeah, that is crazy because the 86-87 season, right? I was I was confused there because Villanova or Georgetown would have been crammed in there in the mid eighties as well. But no, yeah, we got that. It would have November eighty six rolling into the eighty seven March Madness. That's the Indiana Hoosiers winning the title. There you go. And uh, it'd be right after this movie came out, and it had a. A $6 million budget, which is that surprisingly hot chops. Is that high or is that right in the wheelhouse for what you would think? It's really just acting. There's there's zero special effects involved in this. Yeah, that's probably like mid-level for that time. I mean, because you got to, it's weird to think about like what things used to cost. When you hear about big blockbuster type movies and they used to only cost like 25 million. So I would say this is a probably a mid-budget movie, which is interesting because you don't really see mid-budget movies being made anymore because well you do but they're like they're always like the netflix movies right and stuff like that studios don't really do big budget they either do really small indie stuff or the huge jurassic park fast and furious marvel type movies so this is kind of a relic of a time before well and and let's be honest they're not making a ton of sports movies anymore like the the sports movie is the perfect mid-budget movie right you said there's no special effects the most you're probably the plots paying, are recycled basically right because it's right? because you're focusing around sports that people you know know a lot of the actors are unknown because you just have to pick up a bunch of young kids to play athletes precisely and then you extras and then you know beyond yeah. that like yeah you go to a you know you film on location uh so you're not building big sets you have you know in this case probably like the local high school referees are coming in and and yeah, you're a, a technical <laughs> foul uh, <laughs> yeah, they actually for this movie they just hired Gene Hackman to be a high school basketball coach, and that was the is almost documentary style. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I mean, I mean, Gene Gene Hackman has to be the big price tag on this yeah, movie. He's, he's he has to be. Well, and like, this is when it. Dennis Hopper was hot. Like this yeah. is the time where Dennis Hopper was in things, and you know the character actor stuff. And, and I would was, have never known that yeah. as a kid. You know, when I was maybe ten, eleven, or twelve, when I watched this for the first time, that Dennis Hopper would have been a hot actor. He he kind of feels like the 
the extra, just he's the crazy dude, right? He's yeah. the crazy drunk dude. I love how he fires his shotgun just right <laughs> That's into why the they air. Call him Shooter, right? <laughs> it is. It's yeah. still even with the nickname Shooter, just to fire your shotgun upon any friend or acquaintance coming into your area. <laughs> <laughs> Identify yourself. Identify. Bang. (laughs) Warning shot into the air. He shoots basketballs, he shoots whiskey, and he shoots shotguns. That's right. Shooter. (laughs) But yeah, really, to your your point, Gene Hackman would have been the big price tag on this film. Dennis Hopper would have gotten decent. And Barbara Hershey was like, this was kind of in more of her, like, first heyday. She's had a recurrence in the last, I don't know, 10 years. But um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, Sheb Woolley's a well-known name in much older films, but by this point, he was on the... He was kind of on the tail end of, I think, his career. I don't know that he did much after this. So I'm uh, I'm planning to get my uh, another special guest on where we'll go five wide. I don't think that's ever been done on a podcast. I mean, but you it need was, it for a basketball it, this, podcast, right? It was part of a it was part of a Father's Day deal with my dad, and we were talking about this over our our beach week back in in June there. And he's always wanted to just be a, a small part of something that I that I've that I do on the radio. You know, yeah. he's always kind of like sending me. Throughout the years, sending me texts whenever uh, the subject gets to Purdue football or anything like that. Because we do a lot of Big Ten talk here being, you know, Buckeye-centric. But in Chops, of course, you know what I'm talking about there, being in a, in a Big Ten family. But he is a – he's an actual Hoosier. My dad played high school basketball in Indiana. His team name was the uh, Trojans, the Chesterton Trojans, and they they wore the same colors. They're the burgundy and gold, burgundy jerseys with the gold uh, bottoms, just like Hickory in the movie. So he'll give a little perspective, and that's that's part of where I came from. So maybe right off the bat, I'm in a different box like than the sure. rest of you because this movie was like laid at my feet. I remember... There was a there was a week when I was growing up and he set up like all of these sports movies for me to watch. And it was this really cool thing. Yeah. It was a, it was summertime, you know, we weren't going to school and it was like Wednesday all the way through the rest of the week to Saturday night. He had these different sports movies and you know, I'm sure I had seen Field of Dreams at that time. I'm trying to think real hard. Maybe I hadn't. Maybe that was my introduction to that because that came out before I would have been going to the theaters as well. So I picked up that one secondhand and it became one of my favorite movies of all time, not just sports. But Hoosiers was there. Rudy was there. So I I got all of them in there and I just I just fell in love with it. But Colin, to go back to you, like what did you think of the actual basketball play? Like considering that it's supposed to be the 1950s. I feel like the movie accomplishes that with the way they play, the types of players they are, the low scores, the scenery, how they shot it and got the uniforms right and the referees and just the way the dudes played the game. What did you think? Oh, yeah. When it, in terms of scripting the actual basketball part of this movie, it was spectacular. It's whatever you could have ever dreamed Indiana high school basketball back in the 50s would have been like. And even today, you have tons of kids growing up in that era that want to play in an era similar to what that I, that Indiana basketball was. Uh, yeah, I, I think just in the way they shot the, the action was pretty decent for a, a movie back in the 80s shooting some type of sports action film. Um, I Personally, I I get chills watching the final scene-ish area where they're playing at Butler Fieldhouse. Right. It wasn't even called Hinkle Fieldhouse yet. It was called Butler Fieldhouse. Right, it was not Hinkle. And, yeah. it, you're, and, and I can see it. It looks exactly how it would have back in that day. And you, you see photos of it, but I've never actually seen video 
obviously, except for Hoosiers. It was it was really masterfully done. I think that's where, along with Hackman, I, I think Hackman did a great, great job in his role. I think that's where one of the areas where I think this movie really hit the nail on the head. Well, and the and the other thing you know, Colin, right, is the the crazy thing about how the state tournament was ran for the longest time was right. that it was wide open. It That's what's great about the David and Goliath type of thing is it doesn't matter how small the school is. Everybody just keeps feeding in to the same championship, the same final four. There's no six different divisions, which I, is, I, I believe, where we are in the state of Ohio right now. Is it one less or one more? In basketball, I think it was like four or five it's up there though but yes it's up there small schools take on small schools big schools take on big schools back then it wasn't and i think maybe the one of the more well-known things about this movie at this point in time in 2021 is that it was based off of the 1954 state championship team and that was Milan high school so similar type of story you got hickory here they're the huskers it's it's a cornfield type of town i'll tell you what though maybe and uh, guys, you can speak up if you've got just certain scenes that pop off the page to you that you enjoy for for different reasons. I like the the opening scene, like the opening credits where you hear the music and Jerry yeah, I mean, Jerry Goldsmith. Would be way too, that scene would be way too long if it weren't for the score. That's right. probably the one of the high points of the movie. Is the score is really good, and these those three guys, the writer, director, and Goldsmith, the composer, got together and made Rudy a few years yes. later. Right. And isn't that like tough to decide? Like when you play sports music in your head, when you go like, I feel like it's Field of Dreams, it's Hoosiers, and then it, it pulls you over to Rudy. And it sort of cycle back and forth from those three films, at least for me. But that, why is it so pretty to see like a car driving for five to 10 minutes when you could tell there's dew out on the grass it, the sun is just rising and it's just a guy going to his new job. You're not even, if you've never seen the movie either, you're not even sure what's going on. You assume he's a coach, but you don't really know, but he's, you just know that it's Indiana basketball and baskets this, attached this to the movie barns made, and everything. If this movie was made today, that would be the scene where there'd be a score and there'd be music, but it would be like the local radio guy being like this new head coach coming in. None of us know who he is and all. And it would be like that. <laughs> Like overplay like with all draft this day, right? They get in. the eight fifty yes. guys on and just they just scream into the microphones, right? Oh That's man, a, Hickory's going down the tubes. I gotta tell you, right. you hear about this bum that they're bringing in? This guy's gonna suck. We aren't gonna do anything. Yeah, I, to back to the sort of the moments that sort of give you chills. One of the really strong points about this film is the cinematography, right? You're talking about these beautiful panoramic shots and and the way that that opening scene is shot. But I even think. Some of the interesting choices that I appreciated throughout all the different game scenes is when they would have a guy take a shot and they wouldn't show you whether it landed or not because they're telling you that it's it's it, at least they're trying to tell you that this is supposed to be a character driven film and that well, you're supposed a, to be invested in these different yeah chops. That's a that I I kind of had that point in a similar way because like basketball is weird for movies because it's probably the easiest sport to to shoot. You only need ten guys. You only need a court. And most people can look like they're playing basketball well enough. It's not a it's not a very unnatural movement as long as you can kind of teach them how to do like the shooting motion. But the problem with basketball is the points add up and it's like death by a thousand daggers. Right. But each individual play, except for like the last second shot, is mm -hmm. pretty inconsequential what? to the game. So you can't like really like give all these huge plays throughout the game because one shot is still just worth 
two points no matter what and it doesn't like swing the momentum the way like an like an interception pick six in football would or a, a, a grand slam in baseball which can happen at any point in the game well and it's like that quote that tim that you played at the beginning where it's like you know the points on the scoreboard don't matter i think that plays into that theme really well that, right, that right. yeah exactly chops you summed it up that's like each shot is not usually very important although that same in the same film it's every time you look at the scoreboard it's either tied or <laughs> within right. one shot so in fact man a lot of close games right? all these close <laughs> stick, which is funny it's wild because if you look at some of the history behind you know the inspired by all of these games were really tight but it's because they were defensive games it's because the scores were like 21 11 you know final scores were these like really low numbers and so it's funny yeah. to have them scoring up in the 50s and 60s well that's that is interesting because you know Colin you know as we look back into the past in hoops there seems to be a lot of the best scores that the game had ever had back in that era i mean Oscar Robertson one of the best players of all time he was a victim of the real team. Like yeah. he was playing for a team that went out. Like that's in the story right there. I believe he played for one of the Indianapolis powerhouse schools, Crispus Attics, if if memory serves me correctly. But why right, like yeah. Colin, like what's your like take on that as a basketball fan? Why like some of these schools with the way the game was set up and then Dean Smith comes along and figures out like a four corner offense, right? Where you can just drain the clock and you don't have to score points if you don't want to, but yeah, you got guys like pistol Pete Maravich and the big O no three point line, but you'd have dudes that could score. And then of course a guy like Wilt comes along in the fifties, he's dropping 40 and 50 points per game and nobody can stop the guy. Well, I think because of like what you mentioned, there's the th three point line. A lot of guys are saying, well, a basket anywhere on the court is going to count two points, no matter where you take it from. So why not yeah. increase your percentages and go closer to the hoop? And I think you're starting to see with a lot of those guys you're mentioning, like pistol Pete and whatnot, they started to extend out further from their shots and take deeper shots, more chances to be open from their shots versus facing contention down in the post. I think that's why you started to see that shift. And then eventually it said, okay, these guys are making all these deep shots while at a adjusted rate compared to where you are down in the post. We need to eventually add something to, incentivize people to shoot the shot yeah. out there. I think it's just kind of a process over the decades of guys starting to slowly move out away from the key, from away from the paint and shooting their shot that they had to make something of it. It's just like cycles in sports, right? And yeah. even when you go way back in the day, a game can circle around and you start to play it the way it used to be played and trends pick up, right? And it's even Ohio State, you talk about Jerry Lucas and Havlicek, right? Two of the better basketball players you're ever going to find. And they're way back there in the late 50s, early 1960s. And it's I just bring that up because, Daniel, as you mentioned, a lot of this movie seems to be low-scoring games, but then the centerpiece of the film is this sharp-shooting dude. Right. Every time he touches a rock, it goes in. And that first scene that he's in, which is one of, you know, to go with a memorable scene, when Gene Hackman, Coach Dale, tries to talk to Jimmy. He's not even... He actually ends it by saying, I don't care if you play or not. Right. Which, sure as shit, you hope he does. Yeah, just stop, <laughs> stop lying. The only reason you walked out there is to put a bug in his brain and to make him yeah. think. But he makes, he trains every shot. But there were some, there were some high-scoring, high-flying dudes back yeah. then. I, I still think there's a certain appreciation or an assumption that just because it was in black and white and it was way back then, that, oh, every score was 29 to 27. Some cases it was because the game was different, but there were some dudes that could score and that could really play. Yeah. Well, I, and to your point, I I was like, oh, that's reverse psychology. He's trying to get in. And then, and then you never know because Jimmy has, what, two lines in the film? So 
something like that. <laughs> so you don't know what his psychology is. He, he has this big speech where he just basically holds the, the town hostage. It's, how can you call it a big speech? He says, I play now. I only play if coach play. If coach go, I go. Like, that's his whole thing. And then, sorry, three lines. And then during this championship game, I can know, make it. And then oh, uh, I, got, I, got, I can do it. Maris Valenus, that's the actor's <laughs> yeah, name. So and there's a story, there's a story. Then okay. Maris Valenus, after that hot, you know, a bunch of lines that he got in Hoosiers, decides to move out to La La Land to try to make a go of the acting career. Guess what? It didn't really happen for him. I, I, I Googled him and it was like construction consultant <laughs> yeah. and one-time actor. Look, though, you can, li- you can live the rest of your days, especially in Indiana, off of getting that part, but... I, I still think that's one of the best scenes, though, because you've got the huge asshole guy, yeah. and everyone's just such a prick to Gene Hackman in this movie for no reason. He just moves into the town, and everyone is immediately hateful towards him, and he's a definite that guy actor. I don't, I don't know. Did you have the actor's name? He plays George. He's like the coach that's sort of running the practice, and Gene kind of kicks him out right at the beginning. Chops, he's the pitcher in Major League. Like, that's where... You've got that. That's where I knew yeah, him from. You've got like, that. I was, yeah, George Walker, uh, which the guy's name is Chelsea, Chelsea Ross. Chelsea Ross. Yeah. Chelsea Ross. Yeah, he's the guy that's got all the different ointments and things that yeah. he's, uh, he drinks Joe Boo's rum, evil, right? That's Ma- right. Yeah. <laughs> Up your butt, Joe Boo. <laughs> Takes the rum and does a little toast there. So that guy. But he does have, he does have one of the best lines in the movie when he's. When he's being like told, you know, he's uh-huh. like, hey, your, your coaching days are over. And he goes, and I wrote this one down because I like I it. I did too. Look, Go for look, it. Look, mister, there's two kinds of dumb. Uh, <laughs> guys that get naked oh, yeah. and run out in the snow and bark at the moon. And a guy who does the same thing in my living room. First one don't matter. The second one. You're kind of forced to deal with. I love how ha- translate. Is that a yeah. threat, George? <laughs> yeah, translate. <laughs> and Gene Hackman's response is priceless too. He's just like, "What the fuck is this yeah, guy what talking the hell about? Are, what the hell are you <laughs> trying to say to me?" Translate. Yeah, which I, I got. I want to put that one in my back pocket. Translate. <laughs> say it as seriously as possible. It sounds like something he would have said as Popeye Doyle in the French t- Connection. I got to tell know? you, one of my other favorite lines when we're talking about like one-liners from bit characters is the preacher who's like, "We need a God-fearing, Christ-loving, and also man-on-man or zone." <laughs> like, oh, oh no, no, no! Yeah, yeah. Because in this the, town, we yeah. play zone. One of the one of the best. Like, well, that's yeah. that's my favorite ah. scene. Honestly, I don't know. Is it yeah. like a barber shop? Yeah. yeah. So be, yeah. It, it gives me flashbacks. So when I, my favorite movie all time is Friday Night Lights. I love it. Oh, uh, I love it too. I, yeah. One of my favorite movies of all time, but and I also love the TV series. But it just kind of shoots back to my memory of watching that and growing up. And as I, I always wanted to play in Texas and play high school football and all that small town feel. Everybody knows you everything about that. That I, was oh, you? That's what I grew up wanting. It, yeah, no, it's, it so reminds bad. me a little bit. Now, Coach doesn't say anything in the barbershop scene. He introduces himself. He laughs it off. They, they, yeah. They throw him off stuff and he smiles. just says, all right, bye. So he but, leaves. Yeah. But in, in the movie Friday Night Lights, it reminds me of when they're getting ready for the state title game and he's yep. leaving uh-huh. the grocery store yep. with his family. And they go, you better win, Coach. And he goes, or what? It's not It's not just the high school team and it's not just his team. It's the community's team. Right. And they really try yeah. to sell that in that scene. Since we're really, uh, since we shifted over to FNL real quick, you mentioning that scene had me thinking of something. The dude that is in the car, Chops, and I don't know if he's the, I think he is the one that delivers that line. That yeah. is Buddy Garrity, who yeah, played a long time role in the TV series of basically yeah. that same dude who just 
felt like he ran the high school football team in town. Yeah, and he's like, well, or else uh, it's just, you know. That'd be pretty bad for you, Coach. Just, we'd just be real. Uh, just wouldn't be all all that good is all I'm saying. If you didn't get the job done, it's like, wow, great. Like, way to, way to issue that threat. But, no, Daniel, the line in that scene, guys, it's unbelievable, right? It yeah. tells you everything about that town. He said, we trust that you're a God-fearing man with Christian morals and principles who will set a standard of leadership for our boys. So tell me, do you believe in man-to-man or zone defense? It's right to, right yeah. to the basketball. It's like, you don't I, What about the Christian stuff? Like, yeah, I have, know if I have win expected or not. him to be like, because you know in Exodus it says man-on-man man isn't. Anyway, sorry. Um, I thought that might be where it was going, and then I was glad that it didn't. Uh, yeah, no, that, that scene is, and I'll tell you, I grew up in, like real small town Ohio and, and have family from like, you know, a place that's probably about the same as Hickory where they take their football very seriously, not their, ba- oh, their basketball too some. Um, and that gave me like almost flashbacks of like, oh crap. Like <laughs> I know all these guys. <laughs> I've seen these guys before. Uh, so yeah, that's all. That's my contribution. All right. I'm going to so, get him in. Yeah. I'm going to get him in right now. Papa Hall. We're going to talk to a, a real live Hoosier, get his take on this movie. I'll get somebody on my side here, and then we'll get into the criticisms <laughs> and the things it, that Tim. were- that Don't were spoil that we're not on your side. Maybe wrong about this movie. <laughs> so quick pause. We'll be back in zero seconds with more of episode 49, a special legal screening edition of the basketball classic Hoosiers. We're having a lot of fun doing it. And our guest is going to be my father, Jeff Hall. I know him as dad. He played high school basketball for the Chesterton Trojans in the 70s, was a scout team player for Purdue. So this guy knows what it's like. He's going to give us his takes on the movie and what it means to him. So I'm looking forward to it. Hope you are too. Don't go anywhere. All right, so we got him. My dad's at work right now, so he's taking a quick little break. Dad, I know uh, you had some certain things that you wanted to, to just uh, throw out there about the movie and what it meant to you. And what I what I was just telling the guys, do you remember when you set up that week of sports movies for me? It was when I was maybe like 10, 11, or 12 years old, and you laid a whole week out where you had all these sports movies lined up, and I know like Field of Dreams and Rudy was in there and Hoosiers was in there as well, so... I don't quite know if that was the first time I ever watched it, but here we are so many years later and I've seen it 50 plus times. And I don't know how many times do you think you've watched it? Uh, I couldn't tell you, but if you counted all the times where you just were surfing and you caught, you know, bits here and there. Uh, yeah. Dozens. Certainly. Right. So like how high is this movie on like a list for you for like your sports films or straight up basketball? Like where, how good do you think it is? How how near and dear to your heart is it? Well, it, it's it's pretty near and dear. I, it would have to be. I mean, when you hear the, the experts talk about this, they're going to always have this movie in the top three or five of the all-time sports movies. And I would say that it uh, certainly is. And, and I think it probably still would have been also. I don't know whether how much you guys have talked about this, but. Uh, uh, they were first looking at Jack Nicholson and Robert Duvall, you know, to play that role. And, uh, and I would think that either one of them would have also done really well, although it's weird because it, it's hard to even think of stuff like that after, you know, Hackman had the part and did such a great job with it. Uh, uh, but this movie is, uh, um, it's a great movie. It's a great movie that you, you could always, uh, you know, sit down and just watch 10 or 15 minutes uh, anytime. 
you know what, Dad? You bring up those names, and I don't know, Chops, if you got to take on that too, Duvall seems to hit for me. Like, I love Duvall in, like, that authoritarian type of type of mode. Duvall would have been great. I think Duvall would have done a good job. Uh, Jack Nicholson is an interesting choice. He's such a – he's evolved so much as the years have gone on that it's hard for me to see, like, what I think of Jack Nicholson. But if I think back more – and this was in the 70s, so still, like, a decade later. But if I think back more to, like, The Shining Jack Nicholson, yeah, I think he could could pull it off. But he always brings his own quirk to a movie, so it would completely change the role. But I don't think it would be bad. It'd just be different. Yeah, I think um, Jack Nicholson. Not, to, I don't want to make light of this, but like we we talked a little bit about how one of the main things about the the coach is that you know he's he's having to take this job because he basically beat up one of his players, and I can see Jack Nicholson playing the younger version of the coach that hits his player like that unhinged sort of guy. But I don't know. I think uh, yeah, Duvall would. I think for this character, it's supposed to be age fifty. I think Duvall probably hits a little closer to home. Well, and, and I tell you, it's interesting, you, it's interesting you would say that about uh, uh, by a younger Nicholson because the coach of the the school in Indiana, uh, Milan or Milan, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. But, Milan, yeah, you know, that's it, Milan. That, that's where this was patterned after, and, and they actually won it in 1954, not 52. But it was a young coach. He, the guy was 26 years old. You know, as you guys have probably talked about, uh, most of the, the backstories in the movie are all you know, made up. You know, they took many liberties there. But the, the one thing I just wanted to talk to you guys about was that the, the, the flavor of the movie was very realistic. You know, from the way it was filmed, the gyms that they played in, the you know, what was known as Hoosier hysteria when I played in the 70s. I don't know if Tim told you, but I played Indiana basketball in the oh, 70s. I, oh, I told him. I might have, I might have uh, dropped that in there. <laughs> dropped that in there a few times. But, <laughs> you know, I, I just wanted to say uh, it's it's very realistic. The, the, the style of coaching and the style of play was very similar. The four passes before the shot, by the way, actually came from the screenwriter uh, from Bobby Knight. It was, a, it was a Bobby Knight thing, not a Milan thing, you know, from the 50s where the where this movie came from and at my school when i played it was i can't you know tim we were talking can't remember if it was four or five or six passes but you had to make the four or five passes before you would shoot unless you had a layup you know that was okay and of course there was no three-pointers back then uh, you know the, the the goal was always to get a good shot to get the best shot possible which was a layup so yeah that type of stuff it is really interesting because it was uh yeah, very you know, spot on, and I even had some stuff uh, that you know that it made me think back about uh, you know, my coach. We had at one time uh, we lost a game just before Thanksgiving, and he brought us in to practice on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, and on yeah. Thanksgiving morning, and we ran lines just like they did in the movie, yeah, you know, which a lot of people have done. It's free throw and back, half court back, three quarter back, all the way and back. And I believe it was 30 seconds. We had to run those lines in 30 seconds. Or, and what he did is he started with an empty ball rack. And for each time that we, the entire group, the last person that finished did it in the 30 seconds, he would put a ball in the rack. And he said we were going to run the lines until the ball rack was full. So we're running our lines, you know, working our ass off on Thanksgiving Day to where we got the to the last ball where we were running the last one where he was going to put the last ball on the rack and we'd be done. 
And our slowest guy, our big center, he didn't make it. And Coach Manis went over, and he just kicked that ball rack over on the floor, and the balls all rolled across the floor. And he just looked at us. And Tim, you've heard me say this. On the line. On the line. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now you're you're playing basketball in the 70s in Indiana. Did you ever hear about the Milan Miracle? Was this a story that you had heard before you saw the movie, or was this new to you? You know, it, it was pretty new, and and, and I was, a, and I've always kind of been a basketball historian. I always did. I would read up and know about stuff like that, and I did vaguely know about it, but it wasn't something that was like, a, you know, really in the front of my mind. But but looking back at it now, I'll tell you one thing that is really interesting is, you know, when I was playing in the seventies, you, know, you would look at the fifties as being like, oh my god, you know, that was you know, forever ago. You know, that was like back in the beginning of time. But now here it is. I'm 63 years old. I've been out of high school for 45 years. And it just kind of occurred to me that, you know, the 50s were only 20 years away from when I was playing. So I was a lot closer then than I am now. And it, it, you almost have to kind of slap yourself. <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> It is nuts. And like, I know like Colin, one of the things that you love about this movie is how it was shot, you know, in Hinkle Fieldhouse. And you mentioned earlier on the pod, it was, it was still only Butler Fieldhouse then. And it was just viewed as I'm sure it was at the time, like the Mecca for basketball in Indiana and probably beyond, you know, if you could, if you were a college team that was going to play on the road there, that was probably a pretty big deal. Or if it was an NCAA tournament site back in the day as well. And it's just so staggering to think that in 85, probably when they were filming this movie, it's that they're, they're sort of redoing the game that actually took place in that gym, like in that same gym. It's just wild. To, it's, it's wild to think about that. You know, you know, honestly, what was wild to me is, it's, real quick, they bring out the uh, tape measure. So they do the 15 for the uh, free throw oh, line. Yeah, my my the dad will tell you about that scene. Yeah. It's his and favorite. It's really funny about that because then they're talking about oh well i mean this is big but it's still like every other gym yeah but for us in, in modern day we look at it as like oh it's one of the more smaller field houses around it's just it's, so how much has changed within the last how many years it's pretty amazing go ahead dad yeah it, well i was just gonna say and that really happened you know the coach did really do that with the team he did go out there and measure the rim and measure the distance to the free throw line you know so of all the things where they took all those liberties in the movie and all those character stories and stuff that you know obviously you know weren't part of the 54 you know Milan story that was you know that did happen that way and when you talk about the you know to me it was the it was the butler field house and i just knew it as the butler field house yeah you know those games those those indiana state championships were packed i mean they you were just talking you know i'd actually just read that uh you know for that particular you know, game that place was packed, and they were scalping tickets for fifty bucks back in nineteen fifty-four. You, know, you get into that game. You know, think about that for a second. <laughs> it's like five hundred. It's a fortune. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That scene no. that you're talking about is is one of my favorites too. And uh, you weren't here for this part. Uh, this was my first time seeing Hoosiers. I'm the one non-sports guy on this podcast today. Um, <laughs> okay. But I think who does his research though? Well, I, I, I thought that I didn't realize that was, you know, was one of the things that in fact wasn't just inspired by true events, but was mimicking true events. One of the other cool things is they spent a lot of time on making that sequence as similar to that game as possible. And uh, the game winning shot in the movie was filmed from exactly the same spot as Bobby Plump's game winner in the actual 
championship game. Like the, down correct. to that, That's down to that level of detail. Yeah, but the other thing that, uh, and, and this was interesting, I thought, you know, Bobby Plumpett said that a, a lot of the, in the, in the movie, the setup in that game that they went through until you got to those last 18 seconds, he said a lot of that wasn't right. But he did say, you're absolutely right, that those last 18 seconds went down exactly the way they filmed it. You know, so I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, because Chops, like Jimmy, is just going off in that last game. Like, he's just a man on a mission. I think if you were to actually like, count up all the buckets, which I'm, I think has been done on the internet, he goes for like 29 points or something and then hits the game winner <laughs> and also gets the moment in the huddle with if that, that'd be pretty badass if it happened. Like, hey, I'll make it. Like one of the, I have a t-shirt that just says that I'll make it. You can get that at the Hoosier gym. I was going to say, it's, it's funny because he doesn't even actually, I mean, he says that line, but he doesn't even stand up for himself. All the kids like look dejected with the first play call. And they're like, nah, Jimmy's got to take it. And then he says, I'll make it. But I like the other, the other game winner we get. And it's from the line and it's Ollie because he does the, uh, he does the between the legs kind of <laughs> granny shot. And you know what? swallow your pride if that's how you have to make free throws i think that's a fine thing there's some guys Giannis in the nba for example maybe try it out man it's not <laughs> I'll try that yeah yeah there no were, doubt there were a few people that actually shot it that way back in the day and some of you might remember rick barry he was a very he was a hall of famer oh rick was amazing way. yeah but yeah there were there were some kids in school that uh, that did shoot them that way all right, so boys, have you got anything else for uh, for uh, my dad, old Jeff Hall here on the podcast, who was a high school player for the Chesterton Trojans? You would have uh, graduated what in nineteen seventy six, right? Seventy six, bicentennial. Yep. What was what was your uh, statistics in that last season of high school ball? Uh, I scored thirteen point two. Ooh, about six or seven rebounds. And then, that, was a, and Tim, that was a that was a lot for our school too because we were a uh, we were a discipline. You got to you guys got to remember you know, back then, uh, I and mean, we were a typical Indiana school. You know, we took the air out of the ball. There was no shot clock. You know that you know, we went into the stalls at times where you would just hold the ball for four and five minutes. You know, we were really doing the at least four or five six passes before you shoot. So, you know, a lot of our games were, you know, fifty to forty and you know, that kind of stuff. Well, uh, I, th I think the uh, reason that I'm, I've been so successful at office basketball is because of the shooting <laughs> touch that you passed down to me. So, oh yeah, we I thank you, you for you nothing can, else. I thank it. you for that. We have you to thank for the fact that we have to listen to Tim play office basketball, don't we? <laughs> yeah, I guess you do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on. Love you, man. And go Bucks. Right, love you too, Tim. All right. Bye, guys. All right, that was really cool to get my dad on the line with the fellas as this is episode 49, a legal screening of the movie Hoosiers, the basketball classic. And we are doing this with our friends from the Nerd Association podcast. Be sure to check them out and download as well wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's going to be open season on one of my favorite sports movies of all time. The criticisms will fly we will call some technical fouls, a zero-second break, and we're rolling on. All right, and we're going to come to the uh, to the close of our legal screening, episode 49 of the famous basketball movie Hoosiers. Timmy Hall, Evil Bald Colin, our Nerd Association guys, Chops, and Daniel Barnett. Thank you, boys, for, for doing this. And I know... 
the come to Jesus moment yeah, are here. We, are we coming to a close? Because I feel like I, there's still a lot to say. Well, Tim. I, I know that I know the come to Jesus moment is I'm the big fan of this movie. Yeah. And I'm not gonna take any shit for it. <laughs> it just is what it is for me. It, it, you gotta fight for what you love, right? Sure. But it, I it think, was. It was I think so we're at a point where. Yeah. Go ahead, Chops. I just I think we're at a point where Tim, you love the movie. I like it. Don't love it. Colin is okay with it, but is probably not a fan. And I, I think Daniel straight up doesn't like it. So, Colin, will you watch this movie from time to time? Will you give time it more to opportunities? Time, no, but if it like comes on the TV or something and it's in the vicinity, I'll glance at it. I, I just, I love the story, and I think the story is what can gravitate me to it. The but real it's just, story. The real story. Yeah. The just basketball and high school basketball in Indiana really intrigues me because it's it's an aurora that I really enjoy and. If I would have been put into 1952 and playing high school basketball in Indiana, I would have been in love. Sure, sure. But the actual film itself has a lot of issues from with start it. to finish, like start to finish. But have you been to the gym yet? Have you been to the Hoosier gym? That's on my list. You've got to do that. Maybe it might change a little bit when you do that. And I, I didn't talk about that when when we had my dad on the line. I took him out there, and I knew I knew how much he would enjoy that. I I, I didn't even really realize that that was a thing that it was sitting there in Knightstown, Indiana, right. preserved until six or seven years ago, until I lived here in central Ohio, and you see the billboard for it. Even then, I wasn't quite sure, like, what that billboard mm-hmm. meant. Like, oh, there's some shrine to the movie Hoosiers. Big whoop, right? Like, right. no, it's Hickory's Gym. It's just right there, and it's been untouched. I don't even think you can say the same about the Field of Dreams in Dyersville, because last I read, I hadn't gotten chops. You're a big Iowa guy. I'm a huge fan of that, and it was a bucket list to get out there, but... I was reading five or six years ago that they passed laws or changed laws to start the commercialization of that zone. Well, I'm to, pretty sure they're so, playing a baseball game out there with the Angels and the Yankees in the next month or so. Are you kidding me? Yeah, they were advertising yeah. it in the uh, All-Star game. Wow. That was supposed to be last year, too, but uh, because of COVID, yeah. they, didn't, they didn't do it. But well, that yeah. kind of goes in line it's with what I'm the, saying, that they're playing a big-time the game dreams, there. Though. Yeah. It's like a, they're building a full-size diamond right, like adjacent right. and that's And that's like, no right good. There, yeah. That's no good for me, that you take away yeah. sort of the allure of what's out there. It's in the middle of nowhere with cornfields. but change the yeah. vista of it, yeah. Right, right. But, yeah, I think if, if – one thing, if you're even a slight fan of the movie and you check that out and see just how incredible that is and how they've kept it, and it's just in this little tiny town, a town that you would sort of picture being hickory, like small like that, and it's the gym – almost looks like a town library from the outside. And it's just, you know, a grid type of street, you know, with, you know, first street, second street, whatever going, you know, north and south. And then boom, you just, you, you hit, you throw it on your map on your iPhone and then bam, you're right in front of the gym and you just walk in there and you can shoot around you can rent it for like 35 bucks. If your buddies want to play like two or three hours of pickup ball, it's, it's absolutely amazing. But chops, I don't know how, how many times do you think you've watched this thing in, in your days? I've probably seen Hoosiers three times, not a ton, but more often than the the other people on this pod. It was definitely the other people. (laughs) (laughs) I should I okay, Colin and Daniel. I do know your names. That's right. One thing I will say about the movie that like I, I really like it. I hate when people like there's like YouTube videos and they're like the the things they made up and it's like well they 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 were inspired by the story it's not like they called it Milan doesn't have to be the same like, thing made, right yeah like yeah it's just inspired by it so there's nothing like there's no facts that they got wrong or right they just used some of the facts and then wrote a movie around it but the one thing I would change um I don't I think the Miss Fleener character is good 
I don't need there to be like a budding romance between her and the coach yeah. because it was like, just so Gina weird. It's so lazy. Like he's 70. So... Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll, also, I'll hear it. I'll yeah, hear yeah, it. I, I want can, it. Can, I we, want can it. we give you the abuse now? Yeah, that I been, want it. This is I the do. part I've been waiting but, for. But let me just it's, let me it's explain. Two it's two words. Character development. Amen. Yep. <laughs> now, now you're starting to sound like a cinephile. I, think, I now, like well, it. Just, I like no, it. I like I t- it. Tim, I will tell you right now. If I'm doing it based <laughs> off the story itself, it's a 10 out of 10. It's a 10 out of 10. But but the way well, they built the movie, I right. have issues with it. I, I, can, I can hear this, and we will. Like, yeah. Daniel and I talked a little bit earlier today. What I know, like from looking at you, Colin, you there's scenes. If there, if you can pull out like lines and quotes that we've that we've given, like the the tape measure scene. Mm-hmm. I love how it's like a spool tape measure too. Yeah. Back then, it's like a crank one. I'm like, oh, where is before they had the uh, the auto zip back where it would like snap your yeah. fingers. You know, it's it's just scenes like that. The locker room scene. I think it's when uh, he says, welcome to Indiana basketball, you know, and he pops open that door for the first time, sort of going into a new era. There's all sorts of great little scenes, but yeah, there's some disjointedness for the whole movie. Like you guys were saying, you don't know the names of any of the players outside of Jimmy Chitwood. It's like everybody else is invisible. Yeah, I mean, the only one who gets any sort of like what his role is like interpersonally with the team is Ollie, and that's just because he's like the punching yes, bag employee right. manager. Didn't yeah. know the groom's so small down on the farm. Yeah, you and you get you do get to. I did have to look up some of their names to make sure I knew them, but like. Every, you do get the one is super religious. He's always praying. He's yeah, strap, strap, I don't know strap, strap. strap. Yeah, make it a good okay. one. Strap. Raid, yeah, Raid, that that line is good. Raid's yeah. the one that gets benched because he's not passing four times. Right. For Raid. R A D E. Yeah, right. I thought and, his name was Ray for fifteen years. It? It's Raid. But, but you yeah. also have you also have Strap and your Flatch. Who I mean, that's similar Fletch. enough. And Flash is shooter's son. <laughs> Not Flash. No, you may Fletch. as well just make up the I name. I thought his name was Everett. Well, his first name's oh, Everett, okay, but last okay. name is Flash. Gotcha, gotcha. Like, okay, so well, and he's in Bull Durham. Everett yeah. is a position player in the movie Bull Durham. Let, let me tell you, I, I agree with Colin wholeheartedly. The thing that this movie lacks, when you look at it as a sports movie, and I don't want to come in here and be like, well, sports movies just have a lower standard. But in some ways, sports movies have a lower standard, right? When you talk about, like, the history of filmmaking, they tend to be a little bit more, as we said earlier. You can take more liberties. Well, and as we said earlier, there's a pretty distinct formula that most sports movies follow, right? Like, do you think in Remember the Titans, a team would actually get in there and sing, ain't no mountain high, ain't no valley low, ain't no river wide? No, they're not really dancing around and singing like that. This movie does the, the sort of... Um, ABC of a sports movie, but the problem is, is it doesn't do much more than that. And I agree with you that the romance between Gene Hackman and Barbara Hershey, he's 18 years older than her. Her character is completely <laughs> flat. It's gross. And yeah. it, and and they're, they honestly they just put her in there to kind of be a bitch. The kid, like she's that's the only reason she giant exists. bitch. Like but don't right go after off. don't go after Jimmy. I'm not going but, after Jimmy. But right? also, Why did I do that? But also, guys. They write in that this guy hit a kid, and that's why he can't. <laughs> but and she doesn't know that. She does know that, and then she, she had to the go one, to Deerlick though to the library the to one, find that out. In the one moment where she could be like, "Actually, guys, I know that you're like, oh, he plays the wrong kind of defense, but he hit a kid. Like <laughs> that to me made him such an unsympathetic. If they had left it a mystery, what his thing was that like he was you know, mm. Cletus owed him a favor that would have been fine with me they put that in there and I I don't know if they were trying to do it for dramatic tension because then it was like well is he gonna hit 
is he going to clobber Jimmy? But then they hadn't developed his character in a way that you could believe that as a threat. No, so they don't. Just weird. Yeah, they don't really go many places with I, that storyline. It just seems to happen. And then the kiss know? is weird. Like, the, it, well, the, because the rela- leading up to weird. that, leading up to Miss Fleener saying that she found this story and, and everything, he gets like ejected a few times from the game right. for no reason, just, right? <laughs> but yeah, but then they just kind of like get rid of it. Like it's like, yeah, see, he has anger problems. And then like once that like little storyline has served its purpose, he like doesn't have anger problems for the rest of the movie. It's almost interesting because what you're saying is accurate for someone that punched a kid. Like how how are you going to have sympathy towards this guy? He did, I guess, take ten years out of the game. So it's not to okay. say that it's it's also not to say that there. <laughs> what ultimately happened to the kid? He punched a kid. Yes, like but he punched can't, a kid on his own team that he, he liked. He did. He did. Like, <laughs> he did. It is the fifties. He seemed to pay a price, and he's back coaching high school it's basketball psychotic. in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I punched a kid. All right. I don't know why I did it. I just like now, blacked out. Now you're making me sound like I'm pro punching no, kids. No, 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 no. <laughs> but but here's the other thing I want to talk about, which is that okay, Gene Hackman, excellent actor, right? This is by far not one of his best performances. I still think he's great in it, though. For what they ask him I, to do, I think he's great. I. Based on my research, too, I've heard that Gene Hackman, like, thought this movie was going to be a flop. And he acted like it. (laughs) He would, like, constantly get in fights with, uh, what's his name, David Anspaugh. And, like, they were going back and forth. And then he eventually saw, like, the raw cut of it. And he's like, how did you guys do this? Like, he did not think it was going to come together and be good. And it, yeah. And it turns out a lot better than I guess he thought it would. But not as good as Gene Hackman thought it would after he thought it would be bad as Daniel thinks it is bad. Well, I'm starting to think back in my head of the games that happened in the process. And if I remember, there was tons of fights between the kids and whatnot. But didn't he get in, like, the face of one of the kids in one of the he games? Called, yeah, he was like, you're a gorilla. You're a, that's uh, what it was, yeah. yes. And, I mean, that's not even the roughest game they play. It was like, you're, you're animals. You're in a cage here. It's, he's upset yeah, about, yeah, he's upset about the style of basketball court that it is. Yeah. And... He throws that term out there. I yeah. think it's important to note for the movie's sake, everyone in the gym is a is white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's worth it's, saying. He's not that. throwing not out like, like a racial term thing. or that's, something that's, that's racially saying. charged. Exactly. But there there are a lot of those, you could get into those discussions with the era of the movie. Sure. And I think when you, mainly like when you go back and look up the history and how not all of the high schools were, were desegregated at the time, that was that was sort of a big issue, and that could have obviously changed history. Sure. Who was winning these games? But I think to go back with the coach, yeah, he's sort of made to be this sympathetic guy, but to or uh, sorry, unsympathetic figure with what his past was and how he wound up here and getting his second chance way down the line. What Chops is saying is just funny. Like some of the, if I could call them like technical fouls, like if I'm going to issue some with the movie things that didn't quite click. It's the the absolute hatred towards him before anyone knows before what his he's story done anything, is. Right? Before he's done anything, before they found out about that issue at Ithaca College, yeah, yes. it was Colin saying, so yes. So if you develop that yeah, and develop then the parents it, are mad, I yes. understand. But they hated him the second right. he walked in it, there. But they do have like some good quotes that come from that, though. Like he's saying, but, like, um, why so unfriendly? Or he's like, boy, do not a movie make. country, <laughs> country hospitality <laughs> yeah. is going to get an awful name if everybody's one as liner, nice as you. One-liners right? are fine, but that's not a movie. The technical fouls too that he's given. Even in the game, yeah, are he, like, he walks out on the floor. 
The ball is dead. He wants to call a timeout. The ref comes up to him and says, get out of here. Te- technical foul. And he's like, technical foul? Are you crazy? The ball is dead. I'm calling a T.O. And he says, get out of here. I'm putting you on file with the state commission. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> Punch and the then ref. they're running him out of town yeah. like two games later. The thing the thing that uh, to me is the biggest, we're, we're circling around it, but like none of the characters are developed. None of them, they're all caricatures, except for the one character actor, Dennis Hopper, who's playing the only character with a real arc in the film. The, like, alcoholic to trying to clean up his act, yeah. to relapse, to, like, Shoots loving his guns boy. into the air. Like, yeah. Uh, that He's really the only character that has a, a an arc that's, like, worth talking about. He's great. And even, yeah. you like know. Jimmy uh, goes from being, like, a quiet kid who's good at basketball <laughs> to being a quiet kid who's... Jimmy and yeah, Jimmy's just yeah, exactly. He doesn't change at all except he's like, I, like I said earlier, it's almost like a caveman. Like I play for coach. I if coach go, I go. I'm I can do it. I make it. You could say Raid comes around to sure because Raid gets he he like disobeys him and like shoots without passing. I, and then later when the when the opposing opposing player shoves shoves coach, Raid is the first one to punch. Yeah, Raid by, punches. By, yep. by and he large. Has his back. And they have some tension earlier. Yeah. The, the characters with the almost untreated arcs have better arcs than the ones that they try to make happen. Like the the players end up having kind of these small arcs that are meaningful in the like size of their role. But then the ones they try to play out like Fleener and, and well and the coach, like those are confusing. They, they don't work. But the thing with the thing with Jimmy Chitwood. They're clearly, he's not even an actor. They're not yeah. asking him to go, like, deep into his bag of tricks. But, he's, but he's, al- he's also not a basketball player, right? No, that's what's <laughs> kind of amazing a, about that. And he, his if you're going to hire shot, just a guy, why not hire a guy who's actually really good at basketball? Right. His jump shot is pure. Like, sure. I mean, those yeah. scenes that he shot, like, he's just there yeah. with Gene Hackman, not thinking about anything that he's saying. He's just knocking in buckets, and he hits 11 in a row. I, I think the thing that I want to at least for my part, that I would like to throw out there is, and I I feel this way about a lot of these 80s movies that I think people in our generation have this nostalgia for, largely because they were probably passed on from a parent or an older sibling when you were a kid. And I felt this way about The Karate Kid. I had to, like, struggle not to feel this way about Back to the Future, movies that I never saw until I was an adult. I think there's this false, uh, you know, this false sense of, of... memory associated with these movies grandeur grandeur i'm what's the Mm. why can't i I, nostalgia yeah you have nostalgia for this film and that's why you love it yeah if you don't have that then i think it doesn't hit the same way no that's what's gonna be for me with if i watch it again it's because it's the storyline it's just the nostalgia behind it not necessarily how the film portrays because you like indiana basketball exactly that's exactly it yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna do something to you i'm gonna call this movie something and it's not an insult yeah this is a youtube movie it's really fun to pick and choose a few clips yeah. and put those on and watch those, hear those lines you love, see that final shot. But it, is it worth sitting down and watching all two hours of that often? Mm, probably not. No, hey, man, that doesn't offend me. And that's why I'm saying like it, it's a movie that will live on because yeah. if you've got a YouTube movie and it's in the sports genre and you can, throw, you up, yeah. nor, you can throw up Norman Dale's locker room speech, the one that we played right before the open of the podcast, you can pump up a crowd doing stuff like that. Sure. You've got the, I love you guys, you know? You've got, mm-hmm. like, all these, you've got good messages, like, mm-hmm. built into this about, like, when he's, you know, teaching his team. He's like, the team, the team, the one man more important than the next guy. And you're popping when he's telling them how to pass the ball the right way. There's just cool stuff, like, yeah. all throughout the movie. But you're right. There's, 
there's some rules that are broken along the ways about how to make like a good start to finish movie and something that would be even close to Oscar worthy. It's it's not there. And chops to your point in the age before YouTube, this is the kind of movie that would be on on TNT on like a weekend afternoon. And you'd turn it on because you wanted to hear, like, you would pay attention for those scenes, and then you'd go and do something. You'd make yourself a sandwich or, you you know, whatever. Yeah. And you'd go, oh, oh, th- this my scene oh, yeah. on the floor is coming up, so exactly. I'll watch because until the next commercial. I know yeah. it so well, I don't really even need to watch it right. start to finish anymore. But fi- <laughs> final thoughts, boys, and I want to thank our, our fellows from the Nerd Association podcast, Daniel Barnett and... Mark Finch, Chops, for joining us here because this is their wheelhouse, talking about movies, dissecting movies. We had, uh, you got the three big actors and actresses in this one, Gene Hackman, clearly the show stealer, Barbara Hershey, and Dennis Hopper, who would later, I mean, he was in his heyday and a very yeah. famous actor. So that's your that's your trio of stars there. If I could ask you just a final thought or two and give it your basketball rating. One basketball through five basketballs. Partials allowed. Well, I think the Jay Sean Tate Award, to me. A little hard hat and lunch pail award. Hard, hardest working man in the sh- is I think, Dennis Hopper. I think, sure. I think Shooter steals yeah. it. And I think I have to give it a 2.75. It's like, like just. A, the, a women's basketball, 275, right? That's the that's size. Right? No, that's yeah. a junior. A 285 oh, is a women's yeah. ball. Okay, I'll yeah. give it a 285. Junior basketball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, because it's not, it's, it's not that it's a, I don't hate it. If it, it's not that I would as like yell at someone and be like, "You're an idiot for not." There are certain movies I would lambaste someone for liking, but I don't feel that way about this movie. <laughs> good, that just, makes me glad. Yeah, no, I still think you're a good person and everything. It's just <laughs> I, not a total I, I dickhead think, for liking this movie. I, no, good. you're not a dickhead for liking this movie. I do think that your nostalgia is the thing that makes you love it, and that's okay. We all have things like that. So yeah, two eighty five is is my basketball rating. Chops, I give it a three point eight. In the sense that I'm going to lump it in, but I've done this before where like it's lower for me, but it's kind of a with the boys movie again, that's similar to like you find it on TV. But if you're with your friends and somebody puts on Hoosiers, you're probably going to have a a pretty good time watching it. And everybody has their memories about Hoosiers. So that's why it bumps up a little bit for me to 3.8. I'm going to be rather high on the scale here, as you would imagine. I'm going to go, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to just automatically go five <laughs> basketballs for it because I'm going to take a lot five, of this into Tim. account. No, Own I'm going to go with 4.4 basketballs. Okay. 4.4. Yeah, so when I was writing it down as I was going, I had it as the storyline and, and just the background of the movie, I had it as a, a 9 out of 10 when I was writing it down. In terms of how I built the, the actual movie and how it was constructed and everything, I had it around a I'd say like a five. So I met in the middle of around seven out of 10 when I wrote it down. So by this scale, I would do three and a half out of five. I, I think the story. Hey, can, the story, hey, I'm happy with that. The story can get me there. And if it's on TV, I'll check it out, but I'm not going to necessarily seek it out. I was able to get you boys in a room <laughs> talking about one of my favorite sports flicks for about an hour and 10 minutes. So I feel like that accomplished something. I hope everybody enjoyed the discussion yeah. here. Next time we'll watch it all together. We'll, we'll crack open a couple of beers. Maybe I can get up to like a, you know, like a 3.2 or something. <laughs> Sounds like when <laughs> we uh, take this to like YouTube slash podcast where we just drop microphones <laughs> in there. Would yeah, anybody watch a- people watching movies? That seems kind of sick. People watch people playing video games. So I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine that they would to watch that we listen There's to other actions yeah. that people do that people will watch on too. <laughs> i'd watch you do a lot of things chops <laughs> I, I. <laughs> hey i'm sure everybody would love to see the video of me falling well jumping out of that boat and spraining my foot <laughs> yeah is there video of that 
No, luckily there's not. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah, too bad. All right, so uh, this was great. This was our legal screening of Mad About Hoops. This was episode 49. Evil, the next time we do this, we made it to 50. Yes, it's going to be really awesome. And we got so much uh, outside of the basketball and the uh, movie setting. We have so much to talk about, just the sport in general. So I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah, it's going to be good. All right, everybody, just keep loving the game. Keep loving ball. And we will see you next time. It's Mad About Hoops.